0: Hello and welcome to the Seven Stage Podcast. My name is JY Ping, and on today's episode, I want to talk about uh, resolve, reconcile, explain questions. That's a type of question you'll find on the logical reasoning section of the LSAT. Uh, this is new; it's different. In the past, if you've been following the podcast, you'll know that I've spoken to uh, former students who've done really well, and uh, you know what kind of study strategies they used, uh, kind of test-taking strategies, and. There's also been a lot of like omissions talk on this podcast, but yeah, I want to do something different. I want to just actually talk about LSAT questions. And uh, the reason I want to hone in on resolve, reconcile, explain questions is because I found that a lot of students who uh, score really well on logical reasoning have like, you know, for whatever reason, they just have issues with RRE questions. And it's actually not for, I think it's not for whatever reason. I think I actually know the reason. Uh, the reason is because they are using a different framework, a framework for analyzing that kind of question, RRE question, which is divorced from um, all the other question types. And I, I don't like that. Um, I don't like that because it's unnecessary. I mean, you can do it. It's, It's fine. It's not like, it's not, there's nothing wrong with it. Uh, but if, I think there's just a better framework. You can you can look at RRE questions as just a slight modification on, say, a weakening question. Um, so I, I'd really try to uh, push this idea that there's a unity in logical reasoning. Meaning, the outside writers are fundamentally concerned about testing a couple of core concepts. Do you are do you have the ability to uh, figure out the support structure between statements? Right? Do you have the you know? And related to that, of course, is Uh, assumptions you know an assumption is basically just where a statement is supposed to support another statement but it's it's weakly supporting the other statement you have to make some assumptions in order to say that statement one then strongly supports statement two right just in those few words there i think i've captured like main point questions mss questions must be true questions weakening questions, strengthening questions, evaluate questions, necessary sufficient assumption questions, PSA questions, flaw or descriptive weakening questions, method of reasoning questions. All right, That's like most of logical reasoning. It just plays with your idea, your ability rather, to identify support between statements. And I, I want to submit to you that RE questions really are not different. Okay, so let me talk about how uh, people tend to view resolve, reconcile, explain questions and, and then I'll talk about how you can actually utilize your argument analysis um, strategies or abilities or framework uh, to view RRE questions. Generally speaking, people tend not people tend to like sort of forget argument analysis when they're doing uh, RRE questions because, well, there's no argument. You know, like what is a typical RRE stimulus look like? Well, let's just actually look at one. So I'm going to read from the June 2007 Section Three. Uh, Question 2, June 2007 prep test, that's the free one the Thales makes available. The stimulus says, after replacing his old uh, gas water heater with a new pilotless gas water heater that is rated as highly efficient, Jimmy's gas bills increased. That's it. Just one sentence? Well, there's a lot of information packed into that one sentence, but it's nonetheless just one sentence and clearly it's not an argument. The author is not trying to convince you of anything. The author is just declaring, look, here's what happened. Okay, let's break down what happened. First, there's a guy named Jimmy. He had an old gas water heater. He got rid of it and replaced it with a new gas water heater. This new gas water heater has two additional properties. One is that it's pilotless, which I don't know what that means. It turns out that's not actually relevant, which as an aside, Valsat is pretty good about like stuff veering on technical knowledge. If you don't have technical knowledge or things that veer towards technical knowledge, the outside generally doesn't punish you for that. So as it turns out in this question, it doesn't matter if you knew what pilotless meant. But anyway, so this new gas water heater that replaced the old gas water heater, okay, it's pilotless, and the other thing is that it's rated as highly efficient. That's it. Old heater replaced with new heater, and his gas bills went up. Again, no argument at all. The question stem is asking us to explain the increase mentioned above, and... Given that this is question two in the section, I'm sure a lot of you guys can already um, conjure up a bunch of different explanations for why, after replacing his old uh, gas water heater with a new one, his gas bills increased. And yes, that's totally fine. And I, I think that this is, you know, bringing this question up because precisely to illustrate that almost by default, you like, can't help it. You, your mind just kind of goes to that uh, realm of like, well, i was just presented with a phenomenon in the stimulus let me come up with my own hypothesis and that's really good in fact uh here i'll read you one of the quote-unquote right answer choices it's an accept question so there are four quote-unquote right answer choices Uh, one of them says jimmy's utility company raised the rates for gas consumption following installation of the new water heater right meaning gas just got more expensive right so even though you have a new gas water heater that may be more efficient than your old one. The amount of gas you might save in increased efficiency uh, doesn't, wouldn't compensate for uh, just the fact that gas is like, let's say, 10 times more expensive now, right? So I think people tend to just come up with these hypotheses to explain the phenomenon, because that's what, question, that's what the question stem is asking us to do, explain the increase, explain the phenomenon above. And you're fine doing that. This framework that you utilize is totally fine except when the questions get difficult and the reason is because when the questions get difficult you lose your subject matter expertise okay so think about why it is that you were able to come up with an explanation for this phenomenon and i'm sure you came up with other ones right like for example maybe jimmy's uncle moved in with him and so now instead of having one person living in the house he's got two people living in the house and so it makes sense to assume that uh, gas usage would go up Right, and that's answer choice C, which is also a quote unquote correct answer choice. But the reason why you're able to come up with these hypotheses that explain the phenomenon is because you and I and pretty much everyone you know, we are all subject matter experts when it comes to utilities, basic utilities, because, I mean, we just, we deal with them, you know, if not on a day to day basis, just on like a, you know, being alive and living Kind of basis. And it's because we have that subject matter familiarity or expertise, even, that when we read this phenomenon, the stimulus, it doesn't strike us as that bizarre, as that weird, right? It's like, yeah, Jimmy's gas bills increase. What's so weird about that? I can give you a hundred reasons why, even though he just replaced his old gas heater with a new one, his water bill might still go up in spite of that, you know, and just start listing all the different hypotheses. Okay, that's fine, but you know, it, it gets hard when they're talking about some species of uh, frog that you've never heard of and how their reproduction uh, cycle gets messed up uh, because of some environmental factors that you never considered. Right? They're in an in a RRE question like that, and that's the kind of question that I'm talking about where like I, f- I find it, you know, where high scorers tend to, not know what to do because they, they can't come up with their own hypotheses and why should they be able to it, of course they shouldn't be able to they have no subject matter expertise they're just left scratching their heads thinking like oh, what the hell is going on here you know truly this is mysterious truly this is a um, phenomenon that is in need of an explanation and i can't give you the explanation so answer choices please help right and i'm not saying like i i feel exactly the same way every time i do a new lsat prep test and it's a hard rre question right? Like, I am also stuck because I also lack subject matter expertise, okay? But I want to introduce this new framework, All right? Really, it's not a new framework. It's the same argument analysis framework that you use for weakening questions, right? Examining assumptions that the author or the argument has made, but new in the sense that maybe you've never thought about RRE questions. You never looked at RRE questions through these, uh, this framework before. So, under this framework of analyzing the stimulus for assumptions you have to ask yourself and it's not easy to answer this question but you kind of you have to ask yourself what assumptions are being made such that this phenomenon is even in need of an explanation okay so let's now pretend like we are the naive kind of person who has absolutely zero experience with how gas bills work right with how utilities work and so like if you can adopt that frame of mind for a second so in other words pretend like i don't know pretend like you're eight years old okay so let's read the stimulus again after replacing his old gas water heater with a new pilotless gas water heater that's rated as highly efficient jimmy's gas bills increased oh that's so weird why would that happen it's a new heater it's highly efficient his old heater i don't know presumably was less efficient this makes no sense why would his gas bill increase see if if you can get yourself into that mindset what you're doing is you're making a naive assumption that the only thing that affects jimmy's gas bill is his gas water heater and the fact that it's new and the fact that it's rated as highly efficient really should be sufficient to push his total gas bills down, right. And in other words, you've naively assumed that Jimmy's uncle didn't did not come to live with him. Jimmy's mother did not come to live with him. Jimmy's uh, utility company did not all of a sudden double or triple or quadruple its uh, gas prices, right? That the uh, I don't know the the winter that year wasn't especially cold. In other words, you're naively assuming away all of those. Like remember. When earlier I said, you and I can just rattle off a list of explanations, that the hypotheses that explain this phenomenon. It's like, what's the big deal here? I can tell you a hundred reasons why Jimmy's gas bill is increased. Yeah, it's like, take that entire list. And for each one of those things, you assume that it didn't happen. Jimmy's uncle didn't come to live with him. His company, his gas company didn't increase the price. Now, why in the world will we, you know, will we assume the opposite of those things? Of course we wouldn't. But of course we wouldn't because we live in the world and we have experience with gas bills and you know relatives coming to live with you and uh, increasing your utilities. So, so it's like you, you almost don't have a choice. When you have subject matter expertise, you have subject matter exp- expertise. You make all the right assumptions and you don't make all those naive assumptions. But it's precisely when you are placed into a situation where you have no subject matter expertise, like, say, um, in a question about 19th century French art, right? and the funding that goes into 19th century French art, and why that might or might not spur innovation, that's when you're going to make all those silly, naive assumptions. And you can't help it. Just like how, if you were, say, 8 years old, this phenomenon about Jimmy's gas bills increase might truly be A mind-boggling phenomenon you might truly have a difficult time figuring out why Jimmy's gas bill went up okay so the takeaway is it's the naive assumptions we bring into the stimulus that generates the tension that generates the mystery that generates the thing that needs to be explained okay and when the subject matter is familiar to us that tends to correlate by the way with easier questions we don't bring in those naive assumptions. And because we don't bring in those naive assumptions, we can immediately start generating the explanations in our minds. So in other words, you can view the question, the stimulus, as a phenomenon. The correct answer choice is a hypothesis that explains the phenomenon. And that's just fine. But when it comes to harder questions, it's, you can still view it that way. You just might have a harder time generating the hypothesis yourself. So once again, the new way of looking at RRE questions is to examine the stimulus and ask yourself, what naive assumptions am I making such that the stimulus gives rise to a mystery or something that needs to be explained? But let's, you know what, let's let's peel away one more layer. What you can do with a stimulus in an RRE question is to take one of those claims. Generally, it's the last claim, but not always. And... I'll illustrate, and um, I, I, of course, would like for you to practice yourself. And I think after just kind of doing this quite a lot, you'll get a sense of which statement to pick. But you you pick the statement, and again, generally it's the last statement, but not always, and you just slap a negation onto it and turn that statement into a conclusion statement and use the remainder of the statements as premises. And then you'll have generated an argument. And you'll realize that the same assumption, those very same naive assumptions— that we would never make about Jimmy's gas bills. Those very same assumptions are the assumptions that this naive argument has made. Okay, so let's do it. Let's say, um, again, I think these are rather superficial modifications, you know, cosmetic changes. But uh, let's say this, the stimulus in question two was um, from a, a water uh, gas water heater company advertisement. Behold, the uh, brand new Gold Star gas water heater. That is rated as highly efficient and pilotless. Replace your old gas water heater with the gold star. Your gas bills will surely decrease. See, there I've turned the stimulus into an argument. Without changing much about the stimulus, um, Jimmy is not present. It's the proverbial you now. Right? And instead of Jimmy's gas bills increasing, I'm telling you that you, your gas bill, will decrease. So that's what I mean when I say just slap a negation onto that statement and then make that statement the conclusion. But come on, you don't buy my argument, do you? Right? I mean, in other words, you're not going to hand me money for the Gold Star gas water heater because it's not a convincing argument. It's a bad argument. It's an argument that makes a lot of naive assumptions. Just because the Gold Star gas water heater is rated as highly efficient and pilotless, What? If I replace my old one with this one, my gas bill will decrease? What if my uncle comes over and stays with me for six months? That's probably going to increase my gas bills. What if my gas utility company decides to triple the rate of gas that they charge for gas? That's going to increase my gas bill. What if I experience a polar vortex this winter and I have to crank up my heating to... Right? Like, there are all sorts of things. But you see, that's exactly... Like, if I turn that into a weakening question, you're your mind is like analyzing it in the same way you're you're just examining the argument the terrible argument for all the assumptions terrible naive assumptions that it's made and again because we have subject matter expertise those assumptions come to us so easily so effortlessly the assumptions come to us right we can point out rattle off a list of hundred things that you've assumed but it's do you see what i mean when i say it's it's really the with just the slightest modification of the stimulus I swapped out Jimmy for you, and instead of Jimmy's gas bill increase, I said Jimmy's gas bill went down. I've made an argument out of that, and the answers are exactly the same. The very same resolve, reconcile, explain answers that are the quote-unquote correct answers, again, because we're dealing with an accept question, so there are a bunch of answers here, but the very same ones work for the now newly minted weakening question because right because of the unity of logical reasoning. Even in resolve, reconcile, explain questions, you can view them as testing your understanding of the support structure between statements or another way to say it is they're testing your ability to identify assumptions that have been made okay so let's now turn our attention to a much more challenging RRE question and in fact this is the only other RRE question in the June 2007 prep test this is from section 2 question 25 and it's about 19th century French art This is a question where I think it's probably safe to say that we don't have subject matter expertise. I mean, you know, maybe you you studied art history, so okay, uh, you luck out. But uh, for most people, I think probably no subject matter expertise. And you'll see that it's, it's far more challenging to come up with your own hypotheses because, well, because we can't help but make those naive assumptions that get us into this, you know, mire of like, scratching our heads and not really knowing what's going on. Totally different from Jimmy and his gas bills when we don't make those naive assumptions, because we do know what's going on. Okay, so let me just again read the stimulus first. Okay, it says, during the 19th century, the French Academy of Art was a major financial sponsor of painting and sculpture in France. Fine. So 1800s, Painting and sculpture, who sponsored it? Who financially sponsored painters and sculptors? Uh, It's the French Academy. Sponsorship by private individuals had decreased dramatically by this time. Okay, so I suppose aside from the Academy, you could just have individual rich people sponsoring painting and sculptures, but we're told that it's decreased dramatically, so forget it. They, They don't exist. Let's just say they don't exist. Okay, and because the Academy discouraged innovation in the arts, and there was little innovation in 19th century french sculpture okay that makes sense we already knew that in the 1800s french sculpture was um, a major financial sponsor of french sculpture was the academy and now you just told me that academy hey they don't like innovation they discourage innovation so it makes sense that if you look at 18th century french sculpture that you wouldn't find much innovation but here's what doesn't make sense and this is the thing we're asked to explain in the question step yet 19th century French painting, again, 1800s French painting, showed a remarkable degree of innovation, right? That's the thing, like, that's so weird. (laughs) Why is that? I followed the logic of the sculptures financially sponsored by the academy. Academy hates innovation. They're, like, super conservative, right? Things are going great. Sculpture is going great. Why fix something that's not broke? Don't do it. Just keep doing sculptures the way you're doing sculptures. So, okay, we find no innovation in sculptures. And then you look at the story of painting, it's the same thing, isn't it? Major financial sponsor painting is also the academy. The academy is conservative, they don't like innovation. But why is there innovation? Not just a little bit of innovation in painting, a remarkable degree of innovation. Okay, so see, this is the kind of question where, you know, it's a phenomenon. It is kind of a mysterious phenomenon. We are searching for a hypothesis to explain this phenomenon, and the correct answer choice is um, says that because stone was so much more expensive than paint and canvas, right? Stone being the, well, the material you work with for sculpture versus paint and canvas being the material you work with for painting. Right? And stone was just so much more expensive than paint and canvas. You have far more unsponsored paintings produced than unsponsored sculptures produced in France in that time frame. So that makes sense. That's a good hypothesis that explains this phenomenon. It's telling you that, well, first, painting and sculpture are just different. Stone is super expensive, implying that if you didn't have significant financial sponsorship, you couldn't be a sculptor. You, You just don't have the funds to acquire the stone that you need to be a sculptor. Versus paint and canvas, not that much more, not that expensive. So perhaps even without financial sponsorship, you can go ahead and be a painter. And in fact, they do just declare they're far more unsponsored paintings than sculpture. So in other words, lots and lots and lots of paintings in France during that time had nothing to do with the French Academy, right? Versus that's just not true for sculptures. There were very few sculptures in France during that time that had nothing to do with Academy. So, okay, now it makes sense. Why do we see a remarkable degree of innovation in French painting despite the fact that the academy was a major financial sponsor of painting and the fact that the academy is conservative or was conservative and didn't like innovation it's because the innovation didn't come from the academy sponsored paintings the innovation came from the unsponsored paintings they weren't taking the academy, academy's money they can do whatever they want and that just can't happen for sculpture because if you don't take the academy's money sorry you're just not going to be a sculptor you have there there's you know they already said sponsorship by private individuals decreased dramatically Okay. So that's the standard framework of RRE. The stimulus is a phenomenon. The correct answer choice is a hypothesis that explains the phenomenon. Fine. Now let's use this new framework of argument analysis. The very fact that we felt like there was something in need of explaining is because we lacked subject matter expertise. Imagine if you were an art historian and you knew everything there was to know about 18th, sorry, 19th century French academy sponsored painting and sculptures. You'd be like, What's there to explain? What do you mean? Yet, 19th century French painting showed a remarkable degree of innovation. That's not a mystery. I'll tell you exactly why 19th century French. Right? Because you already know this. You're you're the subject matter expertise, right? You know that the answer is because you just didn't need a sponsorship financially to do painting in 19th century France. So the fact that the academy is all conservative and stuff—that's not relevant to you, okay? But we're not subject matter expertise experts, rather. Of course we bring in this. And so because we're not, we can't help but bring in our all our naive assumptions. One of which being, well, shouldn't painting be just as reliant financially on the academy as sculpting is financially reliant on the academy? You know, it turns out the answer is no. But how, how are we supposed to know that? Okay, so let me uh, again just do some cosmetic surface level modifications to the stimulus and I'll change it from... Uh, the current stimulus which is not an argument it's just a statement of facts i'll change it into an argument and then we can do a weakening on this argument and you'll see it's the exact same right answer choice that we already picked okay so uh, let me just it just feels weird to talk about this in the past tense i'm going to talk about in the present tense today instead of joining 19th century i'm going to say today the french academy of art is a major financial sponsor of painting and sculpture in france Sponsorship by private individuals almost gone. And because the Academy discourages innovation in the arts, we see very little innovation in 19th century French sculpture. Sorry, 19th century. In modern contemporary French sculpture. sculpture. So everything up to this point, just uh, cosmetic modifications, right? This is the last statement here. This is a statement that I'm going to have to negate. Originally, the statement reads, Yet French painting showed a remarkable degree of innovation. I'm going to negate that, right? So I'm going to say, therefore, right? You negate it and you add the conclusion indicator to turn this into an argument. Therefore, we will not see much innovation coming out of French paintings. That's it, right? Again, the argument seems like it makes sense. Imagine, this time I think it's easier uh, versus uh, the gas heating bills, but uh, imagine you don't know anything about French art. Doesn't this argument make sense? I think it makes a lot of sense yeah you just told me that you know modern day the french academy is the major financial sponsor of painting and sculptures what do i know about the academy they're conservative they don't like innovation so yeah why would i expect to see innovation out of painting so the argument seems like a good argument but it only seems that way because i made a naive assumption i assume that financial sponsorship from the academy is actually important for painting right that assumption might hold true for sculpture Because, again, the cost of producing a sculpture is just so much higher than the cost of producing a painting. And so, you know, in the sculpting world, that assumption is true. But in the painting world, that assumption isn't true. As answer choice, you know, it's the same answer choice. Look, because stone, and again, I have to update the tense, uh, is as was, I have to say is. Because stone is so much more expensive than paint and canvas, there are far more unsponsored paintings produced in France right now then there are unsponsored sculptures produced in France. With that answer choice, my assumption is shattered. Now I'm like, oh, right, okay. I didn't think about that, right? Like painting is actually kind of cheap. All you need is just some paint and a canvas. Yeah, do I really need a sponsor? I think I have 20 bucks in my pocket. I can probably buy some paint and, you know, start being a painter. Okay, so just to kind of sum it all up, what I'm claiming here is that RRE questions, you don't have to think of them as disjointed from the other LR question types that revolve around argument analysis, All right? Hopefully uh, I've demonstrated, and you know, there are only two RRE questions in the June 2007 prep test, but you can do this with, here I'm really tempted to say every single RRE question, uh, but let me just play it safe and say like 99% of the RRE questions you can do this with, right? And. If you take the original stimulus of the RRE question, that is to say it's not an argument, just a statement of facts, and then on the other hand you hold the transformed version of the stimulus where you add a conclusion indicator to the last statement and then you negate the last statement so you make it an argument, if you look at those two stimuli side by side, the very same assumptions, naive assumptions that's required to generate this sense of mystery or something in need of explanation for the first stimulus is the same naive assumptions that the second stimulus, that is to say the argument stimulus, made. right, And both of those naive assumptions gets overturned in the correct answer choice. So that was abstract, and I know that was a lot to take in, especially uh, without seeing the question in front of you, so uh, I'll just illustrate that point again by looking at the French Academy question, right? The naive assumption that we made is that as a painter in France in the 19th century, in order to be a painter, you depended upon the financial sponsorship of the Academy. That's why it's so weird that in the 19th century, there actually was a remarkable degree of innovation because you would expect, having made that naive assumption that as a painter, you financially depend upon the French Academy, you would expect that there wouldn't be much innovation because the academy don't doesn't like innovation okay so that's the naive assumption we bring into the stimulus to generate the tension now it's the very same assumption when we convert the stimulus into an argument and do a weakening on it right and the conclusion now says so we'd expect that a modern french painting wouldn't show any innovation why not well because the french academy is the financial sponsor of painting and the french academy doesn't like innovation so doesn't it follow that uh, you, would, uh, you would expect to see zero innovation or at least very little innovation from French painting. Yeah, it would if you make that very same naive assumption that painting actually depended upon the financial support of the academy, right? So you see what I mean? Like, it's both the same assumption. And it's exactly that assumption that C overturns. He's like, hey, look, painting's actually really cheap. C being the correct answer choice. Sorry, I don't know if I mentioned that before, right? C's like, look, painting's really cheap. You can actually just do painting on your own. You don't need support from the academy, right? It's like, oh, okay, now I get it. Alright, so, hopefully, having this new framework to understand and evaluate and think about RRE questions will allow you to bring RRE questions back into the fold, so to speak. Right? I, I, I try to push this idea of the unity of LR. Meaning, look, yeah, yeah, there are a lot of different question types, and you do need to pay attention to question types, but question type differences are superficial. There's a deep similarity and relatability and transformability from one logical reasoning question type to another. OK, so we looked at uh, just two RRE questions today and transformed them into weakening questions. And it was you can see it's a very minor transformation. Change out the question stem, of course, instead of RRE questions stem, you got to swap in for a weakening question stem. And then it's just you take the last statement, add a conclusion label on it, therefore, and so, and then slap a negation on it. And you got yourself an argument ready to be weakened by the exact same right answer choice that was the right answer choice for the original RRE question Uh, next time we're gonna do this in reverse (laughs) we're gonna take some weakening questions and see how we can generate RRE questions out of them right because you'd expect if it's truly transformable in one direction it should be transformable in the other direction as well and you'll see that it, it is although i do want to just as a caveat it's probably less helpful to transform a weakening question into an RRE question than it is to transform RRE question into a weakening question. Remember, I started this whole topic because I found that high scorers on LR tend to have trouble with RRE questions. And I think the reason is because you're, I mean, maybe you're one of them. I submit the reason is because you're not thinking about RRE questions as assumption-based. So try this out, you know, practice with this. Take RRE questions, transform into weakening questions, and see for yourself how the correct answer choice is still the correct answer choice because what it's doing is it's dislodging. You know, it's contradicting this naive assumption that we helplessly bring into the stimulus, helplessly because we are not subject matter experts. And I think you'll see that uh, you'll have a more holistic understanding of RRE questions. Right? You'll see how it just is a variant on the other types of questions. Okay, so I think that's it for today. Uh, Thanks for your time. And I hope this made sense. I hope this was helpful. If you have any comments, suggestions, feedback, please email us at podcast at sevensage.com. And if you did find this episode or other episodes helpful, please do leave us a review on iTunes, Stitcher, Spotify, wherever you get your podcasts from. Um, Seriously, that really helps a lot. Thank you very much and see you next time.